Hi guys, Ricky Pope here, and this week on the Christian Urge and I podcast, I'm joined by award-winning filmmaker Jason Head, the director of photography for the new film Nefarious, plus scripture and nerdy news, and we'll get to all of that right after this. Thanks so much for joining me this week. We have a huge announcement that's coming up soon. Uh, look for it on Star Wars Day, May 4th. Make sure you check out the website, YouTube channel, and our Facebook page and group. I can't wait to share it with you. We will hear more about that on May 4th. This is what some people call Holy Week this week, uh, between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. So let's start with some scripture with that in mind. Matthew 27, 45 through 54. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran, took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of their tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. So this Friday, we commemorate the crucifixion and burial of Jesus. The disciples were scattered and confused by what was happening, even though he had shared with them previously what was going to happen. Jesus, God's only son, willingly laid down his life as a perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. One final sacrifice to replace all the imperfect sacrifices that had come before. I pray that each of us will spend some time this weekend contemplating what Jesus did and what it means for us. But remember, as dark as this moment was, Sunday is coming. Before we get into our interview, let's do some nerdy news. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves took the top spot at the box office this weekend with $38.5 million domestically, coming in well above estimates and with $71 million globally. Second place goes to John Wick Chapter 4 with only $28 million. That's a massive drop over its opening weekend. And the big surprise for the industry was 
his only son taking third place. A crowdfunded, faith-based film on the life of Abraham and his willingness to sacrifice his only son from the same studio that makes the Chosen series. This story is one that mirrors God's sacrifice of his only son, Jesus. Good faith-based films are seeing a resurgence from what I'm seeing. And I hope you will agree with that after you hear uh, our interview today and our interview next week uh, with Christian filmmakers. Those that really like the Disney live-action remakes of animated movies will be excited to hear that Dwayne Johnson has signed on to reprise his role as Maui in the live-action remake of Moana. Uh, Johnson is quoted as saying, I wear this culture proudly on my skin and in my soul, and this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reunite with Maui, inspired by the mana and spirit of my late grandfather, High Chief Peter Mavia, is one that runs very deep for me. The film is just starting development, and we don't yet have a release date for it, but uh, it sounds like this could be a good one. Now let's dive right into our interview with filmmaker Jason Head. Jason Head, it is so great to have you on the Christian Urge Night podcast today. Thank you, Ricky Pope. <laughs> uh, for those who are not familiar with Jason, Jason is a uh, director of photography and a director award winner as well. Uh, you've done tons and tons of things, and two of my favorite are actually, you were the director of photography on my two short films. Uh, one of them is behind my head right here, semi-social. But uh, Jason, tell uh, tell my audience who Jason Head is. So Jason Head is a, I don't like to call myself a cinematographer. Uh, I don't like to call myself a director. But I do cinematography and I direct. Uh, <laughs> cinematography for commercials, um, some narrative work and uh, direct documentaries, produce and direct documentaries. Uh, the last three years, I've been doing a little bit of um, acting as a producer's agent, finding money for projects and connecting individuals who need to be connected to get projects up off the ground. So um, that's kind of new territory, but not a bad one because I've had a little bit of success in that as well. So. Awesome. Well, you you and I have known each other for quite some time, and uh, I think we probably got connected because of um, a faith-based film that was here in Oklahoma called Where Was God? Um, and that was, um, was that your first experience of working on a feature film? Correct. Um, I, I was... Uh if I can tell on Travis Palmer for a second. <laughs> yeah. Tell the story. I love this story. Go ahead and tell the story. Yeah. So um, I'm in film school and uh, one of my professors, Travis Palmer, who we both know uh, is my cinematography teacher and film sound teacher. And uh, we just, we get to fellowship and after class and uh He's a great guy. Um, we both really enjoyed each other. And then maybe two years after we started talking, he found me in the hall and he said, Hey, I'm going to work on a big project. I, you know, you should come with me, come jump on it. 
and I just don't remember the professors ever really giving the students opportunity to, to mm. work. So I was like, cool. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, but I was like, I'd have to drop out of school to do that. And uh, so my, my cinematography teacher professor convinces me I should probably drop out of college and go work on a movie. So um, uh, I, I jump out of school and I, and I jump on where was God and I didn't know anything about the project other than it was about um, the tornado mm. that had ripped through more Oklahoma um, knew nothing about it whatsoever. And the first day on set, I'm, I'm, I'm it's a dog. So we're all kind of doing everything. I'm setting up lights with, with Travis and uh, he puts me on audio to monitor and uh, it was the McCabe's. Oh, okay. And that was your first, that was your first shoot. Yeah. And I had oh, no wow. idea what I was about to listen to. And it was the day oh. they were describing. Um, such a heart wrenching story. And I was trying not to cry. <laughs> and I was like, why, what did I just sign up for? And uh, it ended up becoming probably one of the most significant pieces of, of, of film I've ever worked on. And also one of the most insightful because I want, I knew in film school, I wanted to go into documentary filmmaking. Hmm. And so it was a big deal for me. And I love, um, I have, I have a big heart for faith-based content. Um, you don't always get a lot of those rolling around. So mm-hmm. uh, I met, I met you, I met Stephen Earp and, and Brian Cates and became a little family as we traversed more and, built sculptures and every single thing else we did for a year while we shot, (laughs) we shot that movie for forever. So, and then I, I eventually became the assistant editor on that. And I worked with Don Stevens. Um, The guy's just a editing phenom. And uh, absolutely. And yeah, so I got in the post and yeah, that was, that kind of launched me into um, working in the industry and, and, and Brian brought me on to skit guys and did everything I could on skit guys. And, and then just kept going, uh, ended up figuring out how the film industry works and always being in love with the idea of directing documentaries and, and doing cinematography. But it took about five years of, you know, gripping and key gripping and gaffing to, to kind of get into that position. So very cool. Now you went out to California and ended up directing a a documentary out there as well. That uh, kind of was your story, wasn't it? Yeah. So that was interesting uh, in itself. (laughs) I think the stories behind how I, the stories I actually do are a little bit better than the actual stories. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so the, the film industry in Oklahoma was figuring out what its tax incentive was going to be. So Absolutely. <laughs> we did I Can Only Imagine, and about for about three years after I Can Only Imagine, it was really dry in the state for work. Mm-hmm. So um, I got an offer uh, after we did Unplanned to come out to California. And so uh, we took the opportunity to move out there and um, 
uh, we moved to Redding and Redding is in like a little horseshoe mountain range. Mm -hmm. And so this would be the North part. If you go South for 10 hours, you hit uh, Los Angeles and we get in the, the U-Haul. I have my wife and my kid and uh, we're driving for three days. We get up over the mountain range. People are zooming past us super fast. And I'm like, dude, people in California, they drive fast. And uh, as soon as we top the mountain ridge and we look out, the entire city's on fire. And so uh, confused, I called the, uh, the person I was staying with, a guy named Daryl Lefevre. So I was staying at his house. And I said, hey, uh, your, your city's on fire. And he goes, yeah, I know. My wife's evacuating. I'm in L.A. And he's like, so I don't know what that means for you staying with us. So I end up calling the only other person I knew in California, which was my, my buddy, Matt. And we eventually go and, and, and meet up with him. And uh, we go to his brother's house, get evacuated from there, and then end up in San Francisco for a while. And while we were in San Francisco, he said, hey, let's go back. Let's let's go shoot this. You know, um, we're filmmakers. This is how we can, you know, contribute to what's going on. So 200, I want to say it was 250,000 acre wildfire. Wow. And uh, it turned into a, a fire tornado because the heat was so intense, created a vortex. And uh, we go, we came back up and we're just running through the fires and, and shooting it. And then at some point the studio was contacted, Matt, he owns, he owned a studio he still does uh, called Spiro pictures. And uh, the mayor approached him and said they wanted to do a, a documentary to help heal the community. Mm. And so because I was on where was God, they were like, Jason's done a devastation documentary before. And uh, they also said the way that he got to the city was really interesting. So um, they, <laughs> I remember the meeting I came into Spiro and I sit down and they're staring at me smiling <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on guys and they're like uh, the mayor wants to do a story and uh, we want you to direct it and i said no <laughs> and they're they were like why i was like i don't know anything about reading uh and they're like yeah but you um you know that's kind of what we need reading is a little political and they're like it'd be nice to have mm -hmm. someone from the outside looking in i was like okay like i see the value in that for sure and I was like, okay. And then they said, oh, and we want you to put your story in it. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, guys, I don't, I don't like having my picture taken. I, you know, like that's not really my thing. And so after like a week of convincing, um, I ultimately did it and, and it turned out to be a success. Um, and, and won some awards, correct? Yeah. So, um, I don't really, I'm not like big in film festivals. That's not like my, my scene. Uh, love the idea of it and, and, and love the people who put them on. Just not really my scene. I just want to sell a film and, you know, make the next one. But uh, the producers put it in Catalina Film Festival. And Catalina Film Festival is like a black tie event on Catalina oh, Island. Yeah. And, uh, 
Like I couldn't even afford to go. It was that expensive. Yeah. It's one of the bigger, bigger film festivals in the country. Yeah. So, um, and, and our film was a, was a 30, I think 32, 37 minute film with credits. And I, I mean, it was going up against, we got, we got selected and it was going up against features. And I was like, that doesn't even make any sense, but, but it put it in the feature category. And then I found out that our film was up against a film by Frank Marshall, Kathleen Kennedy's husband, <laughs> the guy who did Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jurassic world. <laughs> and so I was like, strange, you know, like uh, I'm not going to win that for sure. So I um, didn't even go. I actually came back to Oklahoma to, sh- to shoot a horror film. Uh, and, um, like middle of the night, I got a text and it was, it was Matt and he said, you won. And I was like, okay, for sure. Guy, you know, I thought he was messing up with me and (laughs) (laughs) sent me a picture. And he's like, no, you beat Frank Marshall. I was like, no snap, dude. That's, (laughs) I was, I was freaking out a bit. I was like, there's no way I should have won that for my little, fire documentary but but it, it won sorry frank marshall uh <laughs> i didn't even think that was going to happen so uh <laughs> if you watch christian nerds unite podcast i'm sorry <laughs> well um so you've gone on to do some other documentaries and then you mentioned um just now you mentioned you uh were in back in the state of oklahoma and you recently shot a a horror film um, now, you know, being somebody comes out of, you know, your, your faith background, um, and you really enjoy working on faith-based films, you know, what was that like working on a, a horror film? So, um, the film is not being marketed as a horror film. It's a psychological okay. thriller. Okay. Okay. Apparently there's a difference. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of who you ask, but um, yeah, I don't know what it is about violence and me being pulled into stories with that, but uh, yeah. So there, there was a film um, that came to town called nefarious and uh, I know the guys who, who are putting it on. They, they bought my life story and uh uh, I, I worked on Unplanned with them, and uh, I found out they were doing a story. It was an adaption of C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape Letters. It was written by a gentleman named Steve Dees, Dace, Dees, Dace, and he is a talk show host on Blaze TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was a really cool idea. I hadn't really read the whole script. I read about half of it um, mm-hmm. before they started, and came in early production and, and they were looking at a few cinematographers for, for the, to, to DP the film. And, uh, my hat was, my, my name was in the hat and I was kind of like, you know, I haven't done anything this big, you know, it was a couple million bucks. And uh, I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm, I'm quite ready for that. So, uh, I said, you know, you should call somebody else and, I gave him a, a name and, and they called, called him and he came in and jumped on the production. And well, anyways, uh, 
you know, God did an incredible job, came in and, 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 and made the thing really, really shine, uh, look books and all that stuff. And we go and we shoot in uh, an active live prison for three days. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there was actual prisoners staring at you while you're setting up lights and wow and shooting that's be unnerving it, i mean it you know i'm not gonna say i was comfortable but i grew <laughs> i grew up around some some colorful characters and uh so i was probably a little bit a little more at ease than than most and yeah, we shot there, and then uh, on the fourth day was it was a Monday returning off the end of the week, and and uh, uh, apparently there was a strike. Now, I know what unions are and and kind of the idea of them, but I'd never been involved in a union strike, so uh, I showed up for work, and uh, and I think it was like eighty five, ninety percent of the crew was gone. Wow, and I was. I was super confused as to what the next step was. And so uh, I don't know at what point, but the production ended up continuing and uh, somewhere in that they pulled me in the office and they said, uh, we'd like you to be the new DP. And, and for I, those who are, for those who, who may not know that term, what, what is a DP? Uh, so director of photography. So, uh, yeah, pretty much the guy in charge of all of your camera department and grip and electric department. And, and so, so you make it look the way it's going to look. Essentially. Yeah. You're, you're, you're kind of the main visual guy. Um, uh, yeah. You kind of bring the director's vision. You bring it, to the screen with, with camera work, lighting, grip work. Uh, uh, you work with all the other departments to kind of carve out like scenic, how uh, it's going to break down the colors and stuff that you use to on your sets and whatnot. And uh, it's, it's a very technical job. It's probably the most technical job on set. And uh, I was a little confused when they asked, cause I was like, man, I thought I already said no to this. And now it's, <laughs> Here it comes again. And so I was kind of like, hey, you know, I didn't want to do this before there was a union strike. And uh, so I'm going to have to go pray about this and call my wife and figure some stuff out. So, um, yeah, and I actually I actually called the original um, cinematographer, the DP, and I talked to him and just kind of said, Hey, I love you. You know, like this was something for you and they're moving forward type stuff. So, um, so I, I made sure I didn't, you know, I did the best with the situation that I had and, uh, tried to honor, you know, the original guy despite the situation. And, uh, then I came back in the office and I said, okay, um, I think I'm good to go. And they said, great. Uh, here's a script. You have two days to prep for an for 80% of a film. 
And oh I my! Like, uh, I didn't even think about that. Um, <laughs> so uh, I read the second half of the script, and I instantly fell in love with it. I was like, "This is this is a really powerful piece," mm. and uh, the, the story kind of really hits on the idea of demonic possession and mm. like. Oh, I th- I think the I think a lot of it is is to convey that demonic possession is actually a real thing, mm. and that demons are still actively alive. And I think that was something C.S. Lewis was pretty adamant about was trying to convince christians of hell Mm. the reality of hell so um yeah i i loved the i I loved the script once i read it and and the actors in it we had sean patrick flannery from boondock saints and Mm. uh, he was in the show the boys Mm. and uh jordan belfie who is super talented the guy's just i don't know he's very gq very good looking guy. I felt really ugly standing <laughs> next to him uh, as one should. And, uh, uh, and I was, it was kind of interesting because Sean Patrick Flannery is just a beast and Jordan Belfie is a beast. Jordan Belfie was in camera department on wild, wild west with Will Smith. I don't know if you oh, wow. And so these guys have been in film for a very long time. And then I'm coming in kind of, I've done a lot of cinematography. I've done about 150 productions, but these guys are in the thousands. Yeah. And uh, I'm the guy saying, this is kind of how we're going to block it. And this is the way it's going to look. And uh, like Sean, Sean was calling my, my, my lighting setups. He was calling the stops on the lighting setups before we even measured it. (laughs) Like that's, that's how good this guy is. And uh, a little intimidating. He also does, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So he's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> more assertive than anyone I've ever met. And, but it, the guys were great. They gave me, they gave me a lot of grace to kind of come in and, and, and figure some stuff out and, and get the ball rolling. But our first day we had to play a lot of catch up and we shot, I think it was, I want to say it was 19 pages our first day. Wow. Yeah. That is a lot of shooting in a day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple ways to 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 get caught up in with our particular film. Um, there, the stuff we were shooting was in a, a prison rotunda that we had built on a soundstage, mm. and uh, it was two guys at a table for most of it. So uh, I did cross coverage just to kind of get us in and out mm. as quickly as we could to kind of catch up. Um, so. Because we, I mean, the, the production was, I'm, I'm not really sure how that, this film gotten made because when, when I originally jumped onto the production, uh, we were, we were dead in COVID um, mm. and uh, the production had, had stopped. I think it was for a month or two or maybe even three. I can't even remember, oh, wow. but I, I got COVID and so did both of the directors and one of the producers and the DP. Mm. And I ended up in the hospital on oxygen. I got the Delta variant and um, I was, I was on my deathbed. Like it was a miracle. I didn't die. And the, the rotunda was built on the sound stage and it was just basically collecting rent and we weren't mm. shooting. So I think it was like $600,000 worth of. Wow. For, for nothing. Like, so they were in the hole financially, and then there was a union strike, and it delayed mm. a couple of days. It was like 
And there was a, there was a ton of other stuff. Like the priest on set, his appendix burst. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was. It, there's a there was a lot of like just very odd, strange things happening uh, to the production. So uh, luckily, I'm kind of like a, being a doc guy, and you you have to kind of be able to ebb and flow and adjust mm-hmm. uh, pretty heavily. So it was nice for that because I basically had to create all of the shots off the top of my head. Mm. So. Uh, I was, I would shoot for 10, 12 hour days, however long we were shooting. And then I would go home and I'd, I'd map out the next day, like a generalized mm-hmm. map, uh, read that and fall asleep, get a couple hours of sleep and then come back mm-hmm. and do it all over again. And it was tough. And I wasn't drinking caffeine at the time. I, I quit drinking caffeine. So <laughs> that was not, not a great time to get off caffeine. <laughs> I mean, it was tough so but we we got it in the can and we we should not have and Mm. we had a good team we had like you ever seen that movie the replacements yeah (laughs) so that's essentially what our crew was was just a bunch of randos who had never worked together came in and uh man they just they 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 hung in there with us and and we shot a crew. We shot with a crew that was about half the size of the original crew. Mm. Like we didn't even have a scripty, and like I think we didn't even. I don't even know if we had an art department. Like we had like one person, and it was it was nuts. It was it was absolutely wow. chaotic. But I just kind of put my head into the work and and, and kept going, and uh, tried to make sense of of all of it and. There was a lot of uh, a lot of politics happening around the film, and there were people texting me from all over because of the, what was happening uh, with the union strike. And yeah, it was it was it was it was crazy. It was nuts. And but but we got it in the can, and and I I still haven't seen the the finished product yet. <laughs> um, so and, uh, and it's supposed to be coming out. In just a, about a month, uh, April 14th, I believe it is. And the film's called Nefarious. Yeah. yeah. Now, now you and I have, we've talked about filmmaking off and on for several years. Um, and you've done a lot of different things like you've described. Um, and when you and I talked early on, it was apparent what you really wanted to do. You wanted to be the director of photography. That was, that was what you wanted to do. Now, now you've done, you've directed, you've, you've won awards. Is director of photography still where your heart is? Uh, yes. <laughs> Depends on the production. Um, <laughs> so z- cinematography as a whole is, is kind of cruel, honestly. Hmm. And because I've produced and directed a lot for the last five years, I realized cinematography is something you always have to study for it because there's technology is always changing. And then someone Mm. finds like a new theory or there's like 
you know, Alexa comes out with a new camera and it's the color science on it is just vastly different. And mm-hmm. it, they're not huge changes, but you're also like one of the biggest parts of the budget. Mm. So the stuff you really want to shoot with one, it's hard to get your hands on or it's really expensive and your budget's actually this. So you got to pick, do I want to shoot on a Alexa mini and get shoot on, you know, broken on zines or do I want to invest <laughs> in all my glass and shoot on a Sony FX three or something, you know, there's, you never actually, it's never actually what, I mean, unless you're Roger Deakins, it's never actually what you <laughs> want it to be. And to even get to that point, you have to do a lot of productions, but you're also sitting around waiting for someone to give you a job or networking like crazy to try and get a job. So mm. it, it's very stressful. And um, I realized like I wanted to be able to tell stories I feel like should be told. Mm. And there's movies like <laughs> you ever watch a movie and you're like, how did this get funded? <laughs> yes. Who, yes. Who gave this money? <laughs> I I kind of, there was a point in my career where I was, I was like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I could tell the story just a little bit better if I had a little bit more control over the story. Mm-hmm. And the next step in that would be obviously directing. Right. And so the best stuff that I created was actually what I directed. And I realized there might be something I should really pursue in there. So I got, I got kind of serious about it and then popped off my first feature length called fighting for daybreak, uh, mm. which is on Apple TV. You can go watch it on Apple TV, Amazon prime, shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's an element and it was something I really saw in, in two people. And that was Travis Palmer. I saw how a person can really marry themselves to a story and allow it to change them and affect them. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they can wrestle with concepts and then bring that to an audience and it can begin to heal them. And I thought that was really special because I remember growing up and my dad was always kind of like a stressed out guy. He's just kind of a high tension person, <laughs> but he would laugh like crazy and, and get really excited when he'd watch old black and white movies and, and mobster movies. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized like stories, film can bring dead people back to life. Mm. It can heal hurting people. Stories can do so much. And I wanted to be a part of, a part of that. I feel like it was really special and I couldn't find anything better to do with my life than to, to help people feel alive again and to heal and to cry when they need to cry or laugh when they need to laugh. Mm. I I thought that was just a wonderful, I couldn't find anything more significant to do with my life than, than to tell stories. So, uh, and then the second person was Brian Cates Mm. watching Brian Cates do what he does is is kind of magical because he doesn't just do one thing like he kind of he knows all of it like he could shoot an entire movie by himself not that he would want to but he Mm. could if if he wanted to and he's always questioning why something is the way that it is and it it was kind of like watching 
I don't know if you had a Roger Deakins in Oklahoma or, you know, uh, what's another person that's really good at their job. Uh, you know, Spielberg watching someone so intentional about what they're doing. It was kind of inspiring to say like that guy gets it and that guy has done his homework mm-hmm. and he cares. And also the way that they, both of those people treated their crew. Mm-hmm. Cause you get onto a lot of sets and you're treated like a rental car because mm-hmm. that's how they view you is you're here to, to get us from point A to point B and your personality and all that stuff is, is, is very minute in the grand scheme of things. And, and they're there to get a movie in the can and win some awards. And, you know, it's a stepping stone in their career. I felt like that was just disingenuous. I didn't, I didn't, and I was like, if I, if I have the ability to lead a crew, I don't want them to feel like that. Mm. And, uh, so it was watching, it was really watching those two people pretty early in my career and saying, uh, I think I not only, I want to create some culture around uh, set and I want to tell stories where, where, where people can live again mm. or, or people can just, you know, have a moment where it's a bit pensive and reflexive, reflective. And I just wanted to add some value on both set and on screen. And so. Awesome. Well, (laughs) how has your faith played into um, what you have done over the years? Oh, geez. Um, I have not choked people to death on set because of Jesus. (laughs) Um, So that's good. Um, no, I, I, I think there's a really cool story. So when I went to O triple C Oklahoma city community college, Gray Fredrickson was the film business teacher. Uh, he just passed away. God yes. bless him. He and was actually, he was actually in the in memoriam on the Oscars this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't even see that. It probably would have made me sad. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't watch that. <laughs> he, <laughs> He was such a, like most Oklahoma filmmakers, he, he made a big impression because he was just he's such a kind-hearted person. Mm-hmm. He cared. He saw you. Um, in his film business class, um, the students were asking, you know, what's, what's some advice you can give to, uh, you know, new filmmakers going into the industry? And <laughs> I don't know if I should say this, uh, but he said, never work with Alec Baldwin. And that was some really good advice, especially being a DP. Um, But then, I know, right? I might have to cut that. (laughs) Cut it out 100%. Uh, That may be just a little too far over the line. A little spicy. A little spicy. I want to keep that that clip. I want to keep that clip, but wow. Wow. It's not funny. It shouldn't be funny. Oh. It's, it's very tragic, but wow. he, he said one more, he said another thing. He said, um, the greatest thing you can have in the film industry is leverage. And I felt like, yeah, in Hollywood, that's probably the case, mm. you know, 
but I don't want to necessarily be involved in the culture of Hollywood. Hmm. Um, so I think if I was to remix that into something that's a little bit more grounded and biblical truth, I think the greatest thing you can have in our industry is relationship. Hmm. And Travis Palmer and Brian Cates understood that uh, very well. And so I said, I want to be really good to people because I don't know that you can get a lot of that in our industry. Mm. Uh, and I, it's not even like an advancement thing. It was like, I, I believe like the film industry is my mission field. It is the, the, I mean, you get a lot of outcasts, you get a lot of insecure people, mm -hmm. you get a lot of uh, mm -hmm. people just searching for meaning, searching for something, you know, deep, but most of what our carnal minds can come up with is fame and money. And mm -hmm. uh, I, there's a lot of broken people. And I was like, man, I think if I can just go in there and, and, you know, hug some, hug some people on that 11th hour, you know, uh, serve well and, 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 and try and be good to people as much as I possibly can. And, uh, hopefully there's an opportunity to kind of share the gospel and, and really love people. Well, I think that's, that's what gray, that's gray's ultimate message is that, you know, being someone's guy, cause that's how it was for him. He got into the industry by being, um, Clint Eastwood's guy. Hmm. Yeah, he he made a he made the good, the bad, the ugly with Clint Eastwood before he was famous. And uh, Clint said, "Come to Hollywood with me, man. Like we'll go shoot some stuff." And <laughs> and that's how Greg got in. Was he became someone's guy? And it mm. they were just they're dudes who loved each other, and 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 they ended up making movies together. And and so that's kind of my my big ambition. I know there's like a lot of things you can win in this industry, like Oscars and emmys and but i think my ultimate goal is, is possibly to make movies with my friends the rest of my life wow and that would be satisfying for me and and i knew going into documentary filmmaking i was probably going to live on a teacher teacher salary so <laughs> uh docu documentaries you know most guys that get into it don't say i'm going to win an oscar for this they, they typically mm -hmm. say like i feel like this is really important for the world to hear so, yeah. um, yeah, man, that's, if, if that answers your question, how that faith ties into that, I think it's, uh, being light in some pretty dark places. Awesome. Well, uh, you have, uh, I have loved all of your work, um, and personal thank you for making my very minimal shorts. <laughs> Uh, look so much better than they ever could have been. Um, so uh, thank you for that personally. But uh, let me ask you this. Um, possibly some of our listeners might be interested in getting into filmmaking at some point. What's some advice that, what's one bit of advice you'd give to somebody who is thinking about the film industry might be something they want to do in the future? Um, geez. Other than run, run quickly. <laughs> I was about to say, it's not what you think it is. A hundred percent. And there's no way you could really communicate that. Yeah. But film has a particular way of weeding people out. Mm. So I think, 
I think it was something like one in a million people actually that enter the film industry actually make a career out of it. Mm. One in a million. So, and you get uh, like when I went to film school, I didn't, my head wasn't really in the clouds. Uh, I had done photography for a while and I'd actually acted in a, in a, in a feature film mm. and I had more screen time than anybody else in the film. So I had done a, a bit of work but I felt like a lot of kids that were there, they were wanting to become Lars von Trier or Keanu Reeves or James Cameron. And that's great, but I don't think we realize what it actually takes to do that. And it's not learning how to tell stories better than anyone else. That's not what that that's. It's kind of like who doesn't flinch and who can be consistent and sacrifice mm. more than anyone else. And that's probably the people that will make it. Mm. So if you're wanting to go into the film industry, I'd say make sure your character that you've really put as much time into your character as much as you do put it into um, learning your craft. Mm. Cause it's a, uh, it will chew you up and spit you out, especially if you have the wrong intentions. Mm. Not only will it, it chew you up, but it'll also overtake you mm. because lights are attractive and cameras are attractive and mm-hmm. money is attractive. And I've been offered a lot of gigs to do stuff. I would never morally agree to. Mm. And I've been offered a lot of money to do stuff uh, film wise. And at the end of the day, you just, you really need to know what's important Mm. for you, especially as a faith-based filmmaker, because 90% of the stuff that's made in this world is not, doesn't agree with, with what's inside of you. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that I'd say stick close to the Lord, listen to the Lord, um, do whatever he tells you to do. That's what I did. Uh, and, and trust him and don't feel like you've got a better plan. Cause you don't, uh, and love everybody, man. Even the people who are really tough, even the transpo guys, man, just, <laughs> they're so, they're, they're so difficult, but love them too. <laughs> love the PAs dude, you know, serve everybody. Uh, do that and you'll go, and you'll do well. You'll do well. And most people get hired because of trust, not because they're talented. Mm. Mm. And, and if people like you and you make those 20 hour days a little bit brighter and, and better, I think that goes a, a really long way for opportunity. Awesome. I- any last words for us before I let you go? So if you guys want to check out, um, the newest film I, I worked on coming out nefarious. You can go to who is nefarious.com and check that out. Uh, and if you'd like to see uh, fighting for daybreak, you can find that on, on Apple TV and Google play movies and Amazon prime. But yeah, you can see, and if you'd like to see stronger than car, the fire documentary that I, I made uh, that's also for free on YouTube. Awesome. Uh, well, Jason, it has been a joy having you on the show. Thank you so much. And, uh, and thank you for being my friend over the past few years.
I'll collect a check later. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love you, Ricky. It was great connecting with Jason and talking about filmmaking. Jason has been a good friend of mine for many years. Don't forget to check out the links down in the show notes below and go see Nefarious on April 14th. Well, that's all I have for you today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, you know, click all those links down there. That way you'll be informed anytime we put out new content. And you can find all of our social links, links to our YouTube channel and to our online store at ChristianNerdsUnite.com. If you enjoy the show and really want to help even more, consider becoming a Patreon. We've changed all of our Patreon levels last year, and every level has some great benefits and makes a huge difference in the kind of ministry we're able to do outside of the show. Supporters will also get to hear exclusive stories of believers we're serving around the world through our ministry partners. To check it out or to partner with us, go to patreon.com slash christianurgeunite or christianurgeunite.com and click on the support menu. Before you go, I do want to leave you with this blessing from Romans 15. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you next week. Blessings. Hey.